Coming up next on The Breadwinning Mums. You matter. It matters that you want to do that just because you want to do that. Like, whether it's something in your career, whether it's going to see a movie, whether it's, you know, like buying yourself a new outfit. Like, and that doesn't mean be selfish and a jerk, especially to like your partner and like whatever. Obviously take into account other people's needs, but like your needs matter. They are on that list. And that can be really easy to forget because it feels like if we just sacrifice enough, if we just don't care enough but like your body will get you like you will get sick you will cry at you know a gas station attendant who you think looked at you wrong like you've gotta you matter Welcome to the show. I'm Jane Lim. On the Breadwinning Mums podcast, we debunk the myths of working mums, cheer each other on, and show the world that it's okay to be a mum and still pursue excellence in your chosen area of expertise. Today we're chatting with Rachel Nissenker, a fellow breadwinning mum with one baby girl, Raya. Rachel is an experienced professional currently pursuing her MBA at New York University. She shared with us her life story about growing up as a theater kid, committing to the life-changing trifecta of parenthood, taking on a mortgage, and going back to university full-time during the pandemic. Here we go with Rachel Nissenker. Hello, Rachel. Hi. How are you going? I'm doing okay. You can hear. I've got a little bit of a, a toddler cold going on right now. So um really, really hammering home the fact that I have a young kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you still look very fresh considering. So well Thank done. <laughs> so obviously we haven't actually met in person, but I saw you present at NYU uh, when you were talking about juggling motherhood and being a student and all the messy things that happen in between. Um, But before we go into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background and how you came to be where you are? Yeah, totally. Um, So I have a very like zigzaggy path to business school. Um, I was a film major in college and realized close to the end of my time there that I wasn't ready to like jump headfirst into a creative industry. And so I ended up doing Teach for America for two years in Baltimore which was like amazing and transformative. And I was a really, truly terrible teacher. Um, It was not where I shone. Um, And so at the end of my two years, I wanted to get back into creative work. So I moved out to California. I worked on a small film or a medium-sized film. And, uh, but I missed that like impact-driven work that came from being in a classroom. And I wanted to like figure out a way to combine it all. And so 
I took this job with an organization called Stand Up to Cancer. Um, that is uh, really kind of a, an amalgam of nonprofit, creative, and uh, life sciences. And so I worked there for nine years. I, I went from being the assistant of the department to running the department. By the time I left, I like to say that I was like really like raised in captivity. Like I, I lived there for a long time and I really grew up there and it was a pretty transformative experience. And then in around 2019, 2020, Stand Up to Cancer was definitely going through um, growth. We were figuring out like what the grown up version of Stand Up to Cancer was, for lack of a better term. And I uh, realized that I was really interested in that process and I wanted to like better understand the underlying business case for everything they were doing. And so I applied to business school and I'm doing a dual degree at NYU Wagner um, for a master's in public administration and then NYU Stern for a master's of business administration. Um, simultaneously, I like moved cross country um, and we decided to have a kid. We had one day in 2020 where we signed on our new house, saw um, the ultrasound of the baby for the first time. <laughs> and I got into grad school like in one day and we were like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're, we're doing this. So, um, so that's been my last couple of years. And now I'm... Um, now I'm at Stern and and Wagner, and I'll be going into consulting starting this summer. Wow. Well done. So you got a job already. I consulting. did. Congrats. Bring us back to that one day when you signed the contract to the house and you found out um, you were going to Stern and uh, Wagner and saw the ultrasound of the baby. Uh, what was your partner's headspace like? <laughs> um. I think we were both just kind of overwhelmed. Um, it, it I, we always say like, we don't really like doing things like the easy way. We're like, oh, we're just going to do it all <laughs> at one time. Um, <laughs> and I think he was definitely, so he has a very stable job, which is awesome. And we could like rely on that. Um, and so there was definitely a lot of pressure on him at that point of like, oh, okay. Like we're going yeah. from double income, no kids to single income with kid. Like, let's do yeah. it. Um, yeah. but and a house. And a house. <laughs> and a house. Um, although it was early in the pandemic. So like the house was actually, it was before interest rates spiked. So it was, it was nice. Um, but yeah, so uh it was like exciting and terrifying. Um yeah. the day we moved into our house actually was the day. The election was called for Joe Biden in 2020, and uh, it felt very much so like, oh, we are stepping into a changing world. We're going to be parents. There's a new president. Um, we live in Brooklyn, like, you know, everything. So it was it was pretty intense. Yeah. OK. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts. Ah, is that where you met your partner as well? No, we met in California. He's actually from New Jersey. I'm from Massachusetts. We met in California. Um, we were both living in LA for, he went to UCLA for grad school and I was there uh, working. Oh, okay. Great. And um, you, you've been raising your child now in Brooklyn. Yeah. In Brooklyn. What do you think about the, um, the new environment? I love Brooklyn. I'm like pretty obsessed with our neighborhood. We live in um, East Flatbush Prospect Lefferts Gardens area, which is just a really cool mixture of family friendly. Like there's lots mm. of places that have parking lots or like most things are 
um, you know, handicap accessible and all that stuff that you like kind of think of as a suburban thing almost. Um, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, we're five minutes away from the two and the five, so we can also get into Manhattan. Um, Mm -hmm. We have family in Brooklyn, which has been pretty amazing, Um, as well as my parents and his mom can both get here really easily. So um, it's kind of been amazing. And, you know, our neighbors are lovely. Like there's so many people with young kids and we've really sort of found a cool community. So it's been awesome. We'll see when it's bigger and is like, why don't I have a yard to run around? But we, we have like a little outdoor space, so we'll see. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. We're in Park Slope as well and I'm really loving it. Very close to the park, very close to the subway, as you mentioned. So best of both worlds. Park Slope in particular, um, there's this big group in Brooklyn called Park Slope Parents. Um, and it's kind of like everybody joins it, um, when you first have a baby and you have like a group that is your baby month group. And we never got that involved with it, but the other family and our nanny share did. And so we've like stolen her friends. No, we like, you know, borrow. (laughs) And, um, that's been really lovely. And, there's like working mom groups in there, which has been really cool um, mm. resources for people. Like we're trying to raise um, our kiddo bilingual. Um, oh, wow. Neither of us fully speak the second language. It's um, Spanish. And okay. so there's like resources for that and all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, wow. That's so cool. All right. Yeah. So are you half Spanish? Is that where it no. came from? Or? No, I... Um, I love Spanish. I come from a really um, strongly Spanish-speaking neighborhood area. Um, Springfield is like, I think, 40% Spanish-speaking these days. Um, But honestly, I've just always loved the language. And I like studied abroad in Spain and I minored in Spanish. But um, I also just think it's a really useful language to know in the United States especially. Mm. Um, And so it was important to me that she have like exposure to another language. Um, and, uh, so our, our nanny, we're in a nanny share with another family. Um, and our nanny speaks fluent Spanish and only speaks Spanish with the kids. Um, and then like we try and reinforce by like reading Spanish books or watching movies dubbed in Spanish, stuff like that. (laughs) That's so cool. Hopefully she doesn't get my terrible pronunciation. It'll be fine. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit more about your daughter? Yeah. So my daughter is um, 21 months as of tomorrow. Oh, no. Yeah. As of yesterday. Sorry. I don't know what day it is. Um, And she is uh, an explorer. Like she's like a crazy tornado of chaos, um, which I love. (laughs) Um, And she has like very strong opinions on things. Yesterday, she, uh, she discovered the... We play this song from six, um, the musical where they say um, the like chorus is like, no, 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 no way. And she has discovered the term no way. And so when she doesn't want to do something now, she goes, no way. And it's <laughs> funny thing I've ever heard. Um, it's funny until you're like 20 minutes into trying to get her into her car. <laughs> and it's not so funny. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of her. Uh, you know, she's 21 months. So she just started really talking. Um and so that's sort of amazing every day. You're like, wait, how do you know how to say this? Today she was wearing a dragon on her shirt and she has this book called 
dragons love tacos. And so she, I kept going like, what, what does he love? And she would be like, tacos. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah, okay. Was, um, was she planned? Was it a long oh, yeah. journey not to get a long, there? Not a long journey. Um, fairly short journey. Um, we, you. yeah, I know. I know mm-hmm. we, um, it was definitely something where I thought it could be a long journey. We, um, like I said, we kind of decided to blow up our whole lives while like sitting in a basement <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, I think in a world without the pandemic, we probably would have waited a little longer to have kids to like uh, take advantage of being like new to New York because um, we moved here right before the pandemic hit. And uh, we we probably would have done like a year of being child free in the city with before we even thought about it. But um it really felt, I remember being in a therapy session actually in May where I was like, it's just so hard as a planner to be sitting here, like not being able to plan because we don't know what yeah. the future would be like. And my therapist was like, well, like, let's stop thinking about three months from now, right? Because you can't really plan three months from now, but let's think about what you want your life to look like in five years. And mm-hmm. that was sort of the like nudge I needed to get to thinking about oh, I would like to have a kid and I would like to have a new career and I would like to, you know, be like rooted somewhere. And that kind of like set the stage for um, everything that came after it. But um, yeah, no, we we weren't trying for super long. It was sort of within that like six month window. Um, and uh, we we got very lucky. The pregnancy itself was like not super hard. Um I found out that I have really bad white coat syndrome where every time I'd go to the doctors, my blood pressure would spike to like crazy numbers, like 140 over 90, which normally would mean like, Hey, we got to bring you to the hospital when, when you're Mm. pregnant. But Mm. luckily I had a doctor who was very like data driven. And so she made me just like take my blood pressure at home where it was always Mm. low. But it was funny Mm. because my chart said that I had hypertension and then I, I, she ended up being a C-section. So I was in the hospital for like three days and they had me on blood pressure, uh, like cough the entire time. And the nurses kept coming in and being like, why does your chart say you have hypertension? You have low blood pressure. And I was mm. like, yeah, I'm just really scared of doctors. Uh. <laughs> it was, it was kind of validating. Wow. But so does that mean that you didn't need the C-section after all? Or? Um, no, the C-section was actually because so I got induced at 39 weeks because, well, the reason we could do it was because I had hypertension, but um, the we did it because she was trending really big. Um, and so I got induced and she wasn't moving. She wasn't ready to like mm. descent. Um, mm. Now that I know her, like that makes sense. She doesn't have, <laughs> like, she's just like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Um but uh, yeah, so the C-section was because she wasn't moving. And my doctor came to me and she was like, look, we can wait. You can totally wait. Um, and we can try for nine more hours, for 12 more hours. You're totally in the safe zone. No one's in any distress. But if you're asking me for my personal opinion, I think that you're going to be here in 12 hours and then it's going to be an emergency. Mm. So it's up to you, but mm. that is what mm. I think. And I was like, okay. And I talked to my husband and my doula who was there with me and was like, 
let's do this. I don't, I'd had a lot of friends who had emergency C-sections where they like Mm. pushed for, I had one friend who pushed for three days, basically, you know, like many hours of pushing. And so their body was just exhausted and they were dealing with that physical recovery. And, uh, I didn't want that. I, I didn't care that much what my, my journey was. I just Mm. knew that I didn't want that. And so Mm. we ended up going with what was considered like a sort of optional C-section. And, uh, it was honestly the best choice I've ever made. My recovery was super easy. Mm. Um, Raya came out very healthy. Um, and she was a lot smaller than they expected. She wasn't small, but they were like, she might be over 10 pounds. And I was like, Oh my God. And then she was Mm. like almost nine pounds, but not quite. So, um, she was a normal size. Um, and yeah, but the recovery was fairly smooth and, um, I didn't have that other stuff um, because I didn't keep trying so uh, to to deliver vaginally and but yeah anyways it was uh, it turned out to be a really good decision. Yeah, that's good. How was the recovery post birth? Yeah, uh, physically it was great. Like I, I, you know, in a week I was like I remember I walked a mile. Um, and I told my doula that on just like a call and she was like, you're not supposed to do that. And I was like, but I feel good. I want to do it. Um, mm. especially because the end of pregnancy, like I wasn't really moving very much. Um, but emotionally I definitely had some postpartum. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a funny time. People always say like, you can't plan for, uh, ch- for kids. You can't plan. But what I found was that because I sort of had put in place like levers to pull. Um, if I felt like, Hey, my emotions are doing weird things. Um, it was relatively easy to get help. It was, it was hard while it was happening every day at four, I would just start crying and, and like 4 PM every day. Um, and like by all accounts, things were going well. She was like a good sleeper. She was, you know, um, we, we had lots of support, but I would just start crying regardless. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, so I ended up seeing someone who, uh, a psychiatrist who helped put me on some medications to help me like even out. And she was a specialist actually for postpartum. And that turned out to be really key. Cause she could be like, oh yeah, that's totally normal. Like that's how mm. everyone feels. And that or, helps, like, right. Having yeah, that validation. Yeah. There's this resource in New York city called the motherhood center, um, which does like sliding scales and they're really, they're a really cool organization. She also, um, referred me to them and I only ended up going to one of these, but I went to a postpartum support group, which was really helpful because it was just so nice to hear other people be like, I feel feelings that I don't know why. And Mm. it sounds so obvious like Mm. you know I'd read about postpartum I knew what to look for blah 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 but like in the moment it still feels really isolating and alone especially Mm. like my partner is awesome and he was kicking ass at fatherhood like and he was so good at that early stuff and he was like my rock and but there was also a part of me that was like oh my gosh like this is so easy for everyone else like why is this not easy for me so it was really nice to like go to these postpartum support groups and be like, oh yeah, no, because it's hard. <laughs> That's why. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. How long did it last? For me, it didn't last that long. Um, so I would say the bad period was probably two weeks after is when your like hormone levels drop. So it was basically from two to six weeks. 
Um, but like it was decreasing for those last two weeks. Um, but I remember my best friend came out to visit and she looked at me and I was like, you know, tell me it gets better. And she was like, oh yeah, it gets better at like six months. And I just like lost my, you know, I like, yeah. <laughs> just like oh, to. you mean emotionally it gets better sooner, <laughs> you know, but it was like, you know, yeah. she, she thought I meant like, they start being more fun. Yeah. Or, yeah. Literally, I was yeah. just like, tell me this gets better. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was, it's like something that I'm pretty open about because I feel like a lot of women I know have had postpartum, but like, didn't feel like they were allowed to just say it. And yeah. like, this is just a thing that happened to me. Like, you know, I, it was hormones and it was very clearly hormones because it happened at four o'clock every day, like, mm-hmm. which is when your hormone levels drop. And so that was really like a thing where I feel like I can normalize it because I don't feel any shame about it. But I have seen that when I mention it to other women who've had kids, like it's like someone gave them permission to feel things like, and I'm just like, yeah, it's really hard. Like, let's talk about this. Let's, you know, so anyways, that's why I'm always just like kind of blunt about it, you know, in a lot of ways we got really lucky with our baby. She was a fantastic sleeper. She slept through the night by two months. Like my parents, uh, were from, I know, I know I'm <laughs> like, knock on wood. I feel like she's going to punish us when she's a teenager, but um, <laughs> she was like a really great sleeper and my mom and dad were here. And so they like took a lot off our plates and like let us sleep. So I never really had the like bleary eyed sleep deprivation stage. Um, mm. And so like lots of ways, this was super duper easy and this still Mm. happens, you know, like Mm. even Mm. when everything seems like it's going well, it's still Mm. really hard. So for me, I have two kids, seven and four, but once I had them, the biggest thing for me was the shift in identity. I felt like I've lost who I was and I wasn't sure who I was. Uh, For you, during those dark moments, what was the toughest thing that went through your mind? That is such a beautifully put point about that, like change of identity that happens. Um, I remember thinking a lot about how like motherhood tends to be the end of movies or the end of TV shows. Like, it's like, oh, great. Now we know. Like, so... And, and especially I was in between ending my job and starting school. So I really felt like I didn't have identity. Um, so, and at the time I didn't know what I wanted to do. So it was also like, I knew I was going to school and I knew that was like a thing, you know, but I didn't know what it was for necessarily. Um, you know, it felt very unmooring. But in a weird way, I think the doubling down helped because it was like I was actively reconstructing my identity in those really it's hard to like put myself back into that headspace of those really early weeks. But I think some of it was just this idea that like all the time I was supposed to be aware of her and all the time I was supposed to be making sure she was safe. And that felt very overwhelming. And whenever we'd like watch like a TV show, I would see how my husband, my parents, everyone could like get engrossed in the TV show. And like, I was a film major. I am obsessed with television. Like, and I couldn't, I like, couldn't watch it. Um, Mm. 
until I started White Lotus and then that it was all over. Like that was just great. Like I could get totally swept up in White Lotus. But <laughs> aside from that, no, it was it was really like it was really disorienting. But I think a couple of things helped me like come back to myself. I remember saying to my psychiatrist that uh you know, it was hard because people would come over and everyone else would be drinking and I couldn't. And she was like, well, why can't you? And I was like, well, you know, like the blah, blah, blah. And she was like, have one drink. It's going to be okay. Like <laughs> and having that very like tangible, like thing, like, oh, I can, I can be an adult. I can have a yeah. drink. I also yeah. ended up deciding not to, not to breastfeed. It never really worked. And then I was trying pumping through like the middle of my second month with Raya and I was talking to my psychiatrist about it and like, it wasn't going great. And she was like, yeah, so why, why are you doing it? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, because like, I need to. And she was like, no, you don't. I mean, it's mm-hmm. fine if you want to, but like, you don't need to. Mm-hmm. And that was really freeing for me. It really helped mm-hmm. me feel, and this is super personal. And like, I've known women who've been so empowered by breastfeeding, but for mm-hmm. me, it really helped me feel like, oh, my body is mine again. Yeah. And what I do with it, you know, whether it's having a drink, whether it's, uh, you know, like wearing clothes that aren't easy to like pump in. Mm. I'm not on a timer. I'm not on, you know, and that was really freeing for me personally, because like, it wasn't going well, it wasn't making Raya healthier. It wasn't whatever. So, um, yeah, those were the, the things that helped. And then honestly, like the intensity of business school really helped bring me back to my identity. I mean, that didn't start until, so my first year I was only at Wagner, which was a lot less intense. Although I chose to take on a part-time job doing research, which I found really interesting. Um, so I was, I was still busy, but it wasn't the same level of intensity, which was love truly part of, part of my hiccup, um, which was truly lovely in the, uh, in the short term, but year two, starting business school, recruiting for consulting, all that fun stuff, um, really like helped me redevelop my own identity and like reprioritize. And it was really hard. It was really hard because I would just like be gone for most of the week, but it was enormously satisfying to like invest in me. And, you know, people are always like, yeah, and that's better for her too. And I'm like, it is, that's totally a bonus. Like, I think it is better for her to have a mom who like has a life, but also like, it matters that it was good for me. And Mm. so, anyways, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh oh my God. So many golden nuggets there. (laughs) I don't know where to start. Um, you mentioned that you feel like you have your body again. I was, I totally feel that. I feel like during the breastfeeding period, yeah, you can't have the odd wine. You can't even put on the usual bra that you put on because everything needs to be like breastfeeding friendly, yep. leak friendly. It's just, yeah, it's all a mess and a chaos. But having that ability to really get your body back so quickly, I really admire that. Um, and then you mentioned about going back to business school and going uh, out to really find your new identity. Um invest in yourself, knowing that it's totally okay. I mean, that's the gist of, that's the reason why I'm starting this podcast is that to say that it is okay for us to be our best self despite being a mother, right? I think one of the biggest thing for me, <clears throat> the every time I feel that tug uh, between going out to really live my own best self and being staying at home, being available for the kids is I, I go back to this, 
point where I remind myself by being the best person, I am showing them to be the best that they could be when they grow up. Are there any periods where you feel that tug? Um, and what do you what do you say to yourself? Yeah, I mean, literally every day. Um, it's funny. So this we're talking during spring break, and everyone else during spring break of business school goes to like Cabo, or I have friends who are doing really cool, like. I have a friend who's in Panama and like studying how like international relations works there. It's really, really a big deal. I didn't know this, but apparently spring break is a very big deal in business. (laughs) (laughs) And I am in Brooklyn with a cold. Um, And, you know, but even before that, I wasn't gonna, you know, go and have a crazy spring break. So this is like the epitome to me where I was like, And I was talking to my husband about next year and how it's my last opportunity. And he was like, yeah, you have to, like, you have to go on one of these cool trips because you need to have those experiences and feel like a human. And there are also days where I'm like, I'm not going to go to this happy hour because I would rather go home and see Raya and like, make sure that I'm getting like serious time with her. So Mm. it's like a constant balancing act that I don't know that I always hit the right way. Like, yeah. There are definitely days where I'm like, I should go to this happy hour, but I'm going to go home instead because I'd rather like, but yeah. you know, it's nothing forces you to prioritize more than having a, a new kid. And I know you know that more than anyone, Um, but like, and I mean, yours must be even harder because they can tell you, like, I haven't seen you for too long, yeah. um, but you know, like it's, it's it's a constant balancing act. I think what's hardest, honestly, it's easy for me to prioritize my career. It's easy for me to prioritize like doing things for other people, but doing things that are like truly just for like funsies is hard. I haven't gotten my nails done, which is such a silly thing, but like it brings me joy and I haven't gotten them done in so long because like the idea of spending an hour just on me, not to like refill a social, like yeah relationship not to do something for work not you know and that's what I miss so like the other thing that I've like really sort of lost and need to figure out how to prioritize again is movies and Mm -hmm. this is no common but like you know it's hard to justify paying a babysitter to come over so that I can go sit in the theater um especially in the like age of home streaming but I love the movie theater and it brings so much joy and so it's definitely something I'm like figuring out how to like build back into my life. Um, but yeah, yeah, I definitely, you know, I feel that tug every day and yeah. I don't know that I always make the right call or, you know, balance it the right way, but I, I'm grateful that I get to make those choices. Um, and that I have the level of like support, both like literal in terms of humans and financial to be able to like make those decisions based on what I think is best rather than based on, you know, oh, well, we don't have money for a sitter or I, my partner can't do this. And, you know, so yeah, my husband is like a champ uh, of just really helping out. I can totally relate with what you just said. I feel like having some time to myself just for self-care seems to be unproductive and selfish right and so it's like oh it's not really helping the world or my family um but I I listened to this podcast and they mentioned something to do with like having a self-discipline to take a break because 
you do need it in order for you to sustain your productivity or being able to contribute to the world and your family, you do need to look after yourself first and foremost. So it's okay. And in fact, it is important to be selfish. So I want to go back uh, in time to when uh, you were uh, maybe a five-year-old. Can you tell us a little bit more of what uh, the young Rachel looks like? Uh, young Rachel was very bossy. Uh, <laughs> I used to make all of the neighborhood, there's videos of this and it's horrifying. I used to make all the neighborhood kids act in my plays. Um, they were <laughs> very bad, truly terrible. Um, and there's this one video, my my best friend was this kid, Tim. He lived behind me. Um, we're still very good friends, despite what I'm about to say. And there's this one video of me, like literally like chasing him down and tackling him because he didn't want to be in the play. And I was like, no, you have to, be in the play. um, it was me and my younger brother who's two years younger than me, um, who, uh, normally got short shrift in those plays. I was not a very nice casting director. Um, but yeah, I was really bossy, um, really liked people. I was always a very like extroverted kid. Um, but I also really loved reading and, uh, yeah, was, was a force of much more controlled chaos, I'd say, than my daughter. But, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> I was definitely, uh, demanding. Yeah. Did you know that you were going to be a mom from back then? I don't think so. Honestly, I say this a lot, but like, if I hadn't met my husband and, like he wanted kids and I, and I wanted kids, but it wasn't like, um, wasn't like a drive. I never felt like compelled towards having children. Mm. Okay. What about your career? Did you know that you were always going to work in your career? No. Um, I mean, honestly, I didn't know three years ago, so I definitely didn't know when I was five. Um, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was five, I think. <laughs> and then someone pointed me too. out. Me I really, I think, yeah, we all wanted that. Um, every kid who wanted to be an astronaut when they grew up, like now has had <laughs> different careers. Um, yeah, my mom at some point was like, you know, it's not just like bouncing around space, right? You have to do math. And I was like, well, it's not that, um, which is very funny because I love math now, but, um, yeah, no, I think when I was a teenager, I definitely, well, I always wanted to be an actress, um, <laughs> which is a truly terrible life. So like, I'm glad I, I didn't fully pursue that. But acting has always been like a pretty big part of my um, free time. Like in college, I was in uh, an acting troupe that I was really involved in. That was the best mm. part of my college experience. Um, and I, I always joke that no one can tell Raya that that's an option because we're in New York City and I could see her being like, let me try out. Let me do it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> um, what, but what was the background with film and acting? Did any of your parents, um, were they involved in the industry? No, not at all. Um, I just started pretty, I mean, so my mom likes to tell this story about, I was in a ballet class because everyone put, or it was a tap and jazz class. And, uh, you know, every class I would sit in the mirror and I would just like make faces at myself. And my teacher would be like, Rachel, come, you know, do the thing, Rachel, blah, blah. And my parents were like, I don't, I don't know what this kid is doing. And so then it was recital time and, you know, we were four, like it, very young, it was recital time. And my parents, my, I had like a stomach ache and I was like, you know, my mom was like, she's so nervous because she doesn't know any of the moves because she sat in the mirror, made faces at herself. 
And then we got up there and I was the only kid who knew the moves because I just was like such a, I was so like addicted to people watching me that I was just like, yes, I will do this perfectly now. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I never did another dance class um, outside of like Zumba classes since then, but that was where it was like born. And then later I was like, oh, I really want to play guitar. And my parents were like, great. Okay. You're going to learn guitar. But then it turned out like, I didn't want to learn guitar. I wanted to hold a guitar because I looked really cool holding a guitar. You want to look like you can right. play a guitar. I wanted to act, <laughs> you know, play guitar. So that was kind of like a consistent, uh, feature in my life. Yeah. Um, and so at some point, I think when I was like six or seven, my parents were like, oh, she's a theater kid. And they <laughs> sent, me to, sent me to acting camp and industry. But, uh, yeah, no, neither of them were were acting kids, um, although they're both relatively theatrical. Um, and uh, yeah, but it was just like my joy pretty early on. Yeah. What was uh, what was the one thing that attracted you to theater? Was it the the freedom to create your own world or the um, validation that you get from others? I think validation. I was going to say, yeah, I think it was the attention. Um, I loved playing pretend like that was always uh, a big part of of my life as a kid. And so I do think I really liked the like creating a new world. I did this one class um, when I was like nine where it was like improv, but not comedic improv where you were just like being in a scene and it was like the coolest thing I'd ever done. Um, but I think what kept drawing me back was that like, I'm on stage, full fan is up to me, thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and what is life for you like right now? Right now, uh, well, I'm done with consulting recruiting. So this semester has been lovely. Um, <laughs> I'm taking some really cool courses. I'm really like diving deep into like the finance industry, which is just so far from my experience um, thus far and learning about like sustainable technology, which is where my like passion lies. Um, and I'm still doing research with the, with the same professor I was working with um, last year, which has been amazing. And she's been fantastic because she's also the mother to young kids. And so we just like trade off like who's sick this week. Um, <laughs> it's been great for our productivity, although she's been a champion. She's gotten so much done, but it has been really good for like not feeling so guilty when I'm like, I, I, I have to just do mm. childcare for two days. Um, mm. And it's really been, this is kind of a semester of rebuilding, I think, where like I have this greater freedom. So what am I going to do with it? And then this summer will be the start of the consultant part of my life. So that'll be really interesting. And then I have one more year um, after this summer. Uh, hopefully I will be returning to the same firm that I'm summering at. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. Like I'm excited about all of it and about sort of having some more space now that like that big question mark of like, what will I do after I graduate? Seems answered. So yeah. Okay. Perfect. So consulting is known for the long hours. Have you prepared yourself and Raya for that? And your husband, of course. Yeah, honestly, my husband more than anyone. Um, so it's interesting. I think consulting, I, this may be naive, but I think consulting is going through a bit of a sea change where during the pandemic, you know, the the stereotype before the pandemic was 
you go four days a week, you leave Monday, you come back Thursday night, uh, and you're like on client site and you're working crazy hours. During the pandemic, a lot of clients realized, I think, that that was not worth the money they were spending on it. Like much of the work could be done just as effectively remotely. And so the overall impression I've gotten of, of consulting is that like, it's a lot of hours, but it's not about your butt in your seat, you know, somewhere. So you can say every day from six to eight, I'm doing bedtime. And the vast majority of the time, that's totally Mm -hmm. fine and respected. And Mm -hmm. I like working hard. I even like working a lot of hours. It normally means that I'm like excited by the project I'm working on. Mm. So if I can do that and do bedtime, like that sounds Mm. great to me. Mm. Where it'll be interesting is seeing if, if between the economic downturn and like moving further away from like real COVID fears, you know, if travel significantly picks up, then it kind of doesn't matter how many hours you're working, right? Because you're gone anyways. Um, And then it'll, it'll be interesting to see how sustainable this is in the long term. I am an okay traveler, but not a great traveler. And so I'm currently hoping for travel once a month or once every two months, which everyone says is super doable with the sort of like new world of consulting, but we'll see if it stays that way. And, you know, if it doesn't, then I probably won't stay in consulting long-term, but if it does, I find the idea of working on different projects and like really getting exposed to a lot of parts of the industry, really exciting. Um, Mm. And so I, I'm hopeful that that will be a solution for the medium term at least. Um, But if it turns out that it's not sustainable and that like my family can't deal with it, like that's fine too, you know, Yeah, we'll still have been cool. Yeah. You adjust accordingly. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So You've been uh, working, you've been studying and juggling motherhood. Are there any particular ritual that works for you as a family? What do you do every week or every month to make it really stick? That's a that's a good question. Um, generally, I'm not great at rituals uh, or routines. I'm not great at routines. Um, we've been pretty consistent about we both wake up with her in the morning most days, with the exception of this morning because I was sick, but... Um, And that's been really grounding. I don't know if that's going to last forever for many reasons, in part because she'll want to sleep for longer. But um, it means that we like start our day together. Together, It has been really, really nice. Um, And, you know, that may have to shift based on if my husband has been lucky enough to work from home for since the pandemic started. Um, Hmm. And uh, that has meant that we've really gotten to, to do this together, but, uh, we'll see if that, if that sticks in the long term. Um, and, uh, so that's been nice. And then we don't really have any like set routines or rituals, but weekends we try and explore parts of Brooklyn. And my husband has this whole idea about picking a neighborhood when she's like a little older and can stay out for longer, just picking a neighborhood and then like walking around and finding fun things to do there. So that'll be, Mm. We want to, one of the things we want to do in the next couple of years is get even more sort of like enmeshed in Brooklyn. Um, There's so much opportunity to like really like know and love your community. So that's Mm. what we want to do. Okay, perfect. If you could give yourself one advice, your younger self, and maybe I'll go back in time to um, when when you were just starting out your career, um, 
you probably have just left teaching and then finding out new ways to explore. Knowing all of the wisdom that you have now, what advice would you give that one young Rachel? I think I'd probably just like give her a hug. Um, I don't know. I, it sounds so cliche, but like, it's, it's going to be okay. You're good at stuff. Like leaving teaching, I was not a good teacher. And so when I left teaching, it really felt like maybe I'm just not good at stuff. Like, you know, and it turned out that I was really good at stuff. Like I, I, the things that made me a bad teacher were not like fundamental character flaws. They were just why that profession wasn't good for me. Um, and so when I think about like me, when I was starting in the movie industry or at stand up cancer, I just like, want to like give her a hug and be like, you are a good person. You're going to be okay. Um, it's not like any one thing. I mean, I could definitely tell me to chill out, but like, I kind of like that I'm not chilled all the time, you know, like yeah, yeah. you got to be a little high energy. So yeah, uh, yeah I just want to give her a hug, I think. Awesome. Okay. What's your alpha mom song? I was thinking about this. So I think right now it probably is no way from six, which isn't just because that's what my daughter yells at me all the time, but like, <laughs> it's like really like it's, yeah. It, it, I don't know if you know six, the musical, but it's about the wives of Henry the eighth and uh, it's the first wife and she like did everything right. And like Hen- uh, Henry is just like trying to get rid of her. Cause whatever. I don't know. The- this is the Boleyn girl, right? Yeah. Well, no. So Boleyn's yeah. the second one and Boleyn's the second one, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Um, this one's the first Catherine. Um, but so it's probably no way, but uh, previously we had like a girl power mix that started with like Lizzo had some Nicki Minaj on there uh had some MIA had some whatever um that that was like a good one to pump us up and the soundtrack to Birds of Prey which is that movie about Harley Quinn um is also the one that I put on when I'm like no you're gonna crush it like this is gonna be a great day yeah (laughs) awesome great hey Rachel thank you so much for being here I really appreciate you sharing your journey with us for all breadwinning moms out there who are high performing highly productive um and are juggling motherhood at the same time, what one advice would you give them? You matter. Like, it sounds so cliched, but it's exactly what we were talking about with like the self-care and whatever. I feel like me and my best friend trade off this conversation where like one of us needs to hear it, but it's like, it matters that you want to do that just because you want to do that. Like whether it's something in your career, whether it's going to see a movie, whether it's, you know, like buying yourself a new outfit, like, and that doesn't mean be selfish and a jerk, especially to like your partner and like, whatever, obviously take into account other people's needs, but like your needs matter. They are on that list. And that can be really easy to forget. Cause it feels like if we just sacrifice enough, if we just don't care enough, but like your body will get you, like you will get sick. You will cry at you know, a gas station attendant who you think looked at you wrong. Like you've got to, you matter. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Breadwinning Mums. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. If you know a fellow breadwinning mum, 
please share the show so we can cheer each other on. Until next time. Thank you.